really to offer the opportunity to dip your toe into a few other practice areas like banking, you might need real estate finance advice or corporate support work, or there might be chances where you need to refer things to a litigation colleague to get their opinion on something. So had a bit of a mixture in there, which I liked. When you're qualified, you get a much better understanding of maybe the commercial drivers and the reasons behind why the client's asking you to do what they're doing. Commercial property sector or the built sector makes up, you know, 40% of all the energy that is being used. So it's certainly a sector that's going to be under pressure to start delivering on some results in the next few years as we reach this 2050 target for net zero. So I think that's certainly at the forefront of a lot of clients' minds. Hello and welcome back to the Law Careers Net podcast. You are listening to our new Practice Area Profile series. This episode is in collaboration with Mills and Reeve and is all about what it's like to work in commercial real estate law. You'll hear from Chloe Gibson, Associate at Mills and Reeve's Cambridge office, as she explains what her day-to-day work looks like, how she got into commercial real estate and her career highlights so far. Chloe also covers the skills you should think about developing to succeed in this practice area and her advice for aspiring lawyers. We hope you enjoy this practice area profile. The idea is to offer you a direct insight into what it's really like to work as a lawyer in this area. You can read the full write-up of the practice area profile on Law Careers Net and find out more about training at Mills and Reeve via the link in the podcast description. And don't forget to check out our regular podcast episodes sponsored by the University of Law, which come out every month. Here's Chloe. I'm Chloe Gibson. I'm a commercial real estate lawyer at Mills and Reeve. I'm based in our Cambridge office, approaching three years qualified in September of this year. So I feel like I'm finding my feet now, but still a baby in the grand scheme of things. In the early stages of career, I've been building my expertise primarily in landlord and tenant work and asset management. As I've built more confidence and experience, I'm tending to be much more involved in acquisition and disposal work as well. So yes, I'd sort of say day-to-day tasks involve liaising with managing agents about client requests and issues that might crop up. You might get heads of terms through that you need to review and you might need to identify any gaps in them that need clarifying by the parties or the managing agents, because obviously that will inform how you draft the legal documents. Obviously it involves drafting of the documents themselves. But I think I speak probably for most junior lawyers. I think the very first few years are primarily focused just on building your core set of legal skills and building your competence in those to apply them to different scenarios. And it's as you start to become a bit more experienced, you start to realise that the soft skills are really, really important as well. So that's just that ability to communicate really effectively with the client, break down what might be quite a complex problem into a format that they can really understand. Because I think sometimes you forget that not every client has your understanding of the law. So you have to present it in a way that they can almost forward on to somebody without having to explain anything that you're saying. So it's interesting because I had originally contemplated the barrister route when I was first considering a career in law. But after my first year of university, I actually did some work experience. So I did too many pupillages and also did a week's work experience at a local solicitor firm. 
And I just found that was really useful to be able to compare directly the two and see what I felt my interests were more aligned to. And even though there were certain aspects of the barrister route that did appeal, I just found that my skill set was better suited to the solicitor. So just for example, from my experience, from what I saw, the barrister route was much more independent and was a bit more isolating, whereas I quite liked the idea of a more collaborative way of working with other people and just learning through observing others and hearing different people's perspectives. So that was sort of what steered me towards the solicitor route in the end. I did my training contract at Milton Reeve and was based at our Cambridge office for all of that. So I mainly found the training contract just through my own personal research. I had decided quite early on that working in London didn't really appeal to me. So I was still looking for a high caliber firm that would still offer me the chance to be involved in really good variety of clients that had interesting work. And what the key selling factor was that Mills and Reeve offered the six seat structure, whereas most firms tend to offer the usual four. And I liked the idea of six because I didn't have anything set in stone in my mind about where I wanted to qualify into. So just having that ability to move into different areas a bit more appealed to me. So I went for Mills and Reeve in the end. So I was a bit of an outsider at university in a way because I really enjoyed land law. So I always knew that when I did my training contract, I wanted to have a go at a real estate seat. And I actually did that as my third seat, which I found came at a really good time because the initial nerves of starting the training contract had subsided a little, but I'd built up a more confidence at that point. So I'd actually sort of taken the initiative to talk to my supervisor at the time and said, this is somewhere that I'm potentially interested in and I'd like to try and get involved with something from start to finish. And luckily, I was able to see something through from the start of the transaction to the end, which I think sometimes as a trainee, you're doing more discrete tasks. So it can be difficult to get an overview of where you fit into what's going on. So once I'd finished that experience, it really gave me an insight into that aspect of it. Once I'd finished, I knew that I was a non-contentious lawyer. I didn't like the idea of going in and feeling like you're having an argument every day with the other side and really state offered the opportunity to sort of dip your toe into a few other practice areas like banking you might need real estate finance advice or corporate support work or there might be chances where you need to refer things to a litigation colleague to get their opinion on something so sort of had a bit of a mixture in there which I liked. I'd probably say the key difference between being qualified and a trainee is as a qualified lawyer, you tend to be involved in things from start to finish as you're naturally handling the matters more independently than what you were as a trainee. Whereas a trainee, certainly in my experience, it tended to be more discrete tasks where it was a bit more difficult to understand the context of what you were doing and how it sort of fitted into everything. So when you're qualified, you get a much better understanding of maybe the commercial drivers and the reasons behind why the client's asking you to do what they're doing. And I'd probably say the biggest jump or learning curve is going from that direct supervision level of oversight that you get as a trainee to then having to take the jump to giving the advice yourself and only seeking the oversight when you feel that you really need it but obviously there is that support there when you need you're not completely left to your own devices and then another point is that 
as a qualified lawyer, as you're matter managing, you have a lot more awareness of the financial side of the matter. So you'll be aware of the estimate that you've given the client, how profitable the matter is as you're going through it, whether you need to increase the estimate or have a conversation with the client about that. Whereas as a trainee, I certainly didn't have too much involvement in that aspect of things. So that's also a big learning point once you qualify. So the stuff that I've been doing is it's asset management work. That will be drafting licenses to assign, alterations, licenses to underlet. And if it's sale and acquisition work, that might be due diligence, reviewing any title problems that have come up or reporting on all those issues in a report on title so that the client has got that to refer to in the future once they've acquired a property. So it certainly varied, but I think more in the early stages, you're guided by what subsector and people you're working for a lot of the time. So I think every commercial real estate lawyer's position or experience will be slightly different. So I would say the highlight of my career to date was being a key member of the team acting for Kadan's science partner on its acquisition of the Science Quadrant, which was a multi-let phase at Abingdon Science Park in Oxford for just under 13.5 million. And the transaction happened in 2021. I just felt it really demonstrated the strong investor appetite for that particular life sciences asset class, which obviously in light of the pandemic could really come to the forefront of everybody's minds as a key member of the life sciences team at Mills and Reeve. I thought it was a really great way for me to build on the experience that I'd already had in science park related matters, really showcase the firm's expertise in that area as well. And I've gone on to maintain that relationship with the client by doing a lot of their asset management work at the quadrant itself post completion of the transaction. So it's been one that I was involved with and continue to be involved with to this day, which has been really good. I'd say what I most enjoy about my career is just the fact that you're always learning something new, I think is is great. So particularly in real estate, I feel that there's enough reoccurring things that crop up that make you feel like you're really building your competence and something will come in and you can think, oh, I've handled this before, like I know what I'm doing. But there'll always be an element of it that you really have to think about. There'll always be a slight nuance to it that you have to consider from a different perspective. So I always feel like there's that opportunity to learn something new, which I really like. From personal experience, what seems to be cropping up a lot more now in commercial real estate is just this whole sustainability point. Obviously, investors and clients are a lot more alert to the fact that there's all of these targets in terms of emissions and carbon reduction and all of that sort of thing. So it's trying to navigate, especially with the landlord and tenant relationship, is how do they collaborate and cooperate with that? It's having discussions around who's going to bear the cost of doing any works that are associated with making a building better performing in terms of energy consumption and all of that type of thing, which obviously that will largely go down to what the lease might say. But in terms of negotiating new deals, that's something that's certainly being increasingly factored into conversations now. Commercial property sector or the built sector makes up, you know, 40% of all the energy that is being used. So it's certainly a sector that's going to be under pressure to start delivering on some results in the next few years as we reach this 2050 target for net zero. So I think that's certainly at the forefront of a lot of clients' minds.
if you're considering a career in commercial real estate, I would say it would be beneficial to try and seek out somebody who's recently qualified or is quite junior in the team at the firm you're looking to qualify into and maybe try and seek out a conversation with them to see what their day-to-day experiences are working at the firm because I think they're much more likely to give you accurate reflection of what their work involves than maybe talking to a partner or something like that. And they can often in the long term become quite a useful sounding board and almost like somebody to model yourself off when you're in the early stages of your career. So I think doing that can be really helpful. And then I would say if you've not already done a seat in commercial real estate, but you're thinking about maybe doing a seat in it, I would say that if you do end up doing one, I found it personally really helpful to say to my supervisor, if possible, could I try and see something from start to finish? Because not only does it show that you're you know, eager and keen to learn, I feel like you do get a lot out of just having that overview of something from the inception of it to the completion of it because sometimes just doing a random task here and there doesn't always give you a true idea of the work that you might be involved in once you've qualified so I think that sort of goes back to that point about just being willing to put yourself out there and learn as much as possible really. I already knew that it would be expected but I think it's sometimes not emphasised enough is just that ability to have sort of emotional intelligence. Being able to know when to approach someone is also a key skill as much as knowing when you need support, if that makes sense. Sort of judging when someone is perhaps too busy right now to talk and in an hour or so might be a better time or just spotting if somebody more junior than you appears to be struggling, like seeking them out and off checking that they're all okay. So I just think that obviously goes to the culture of the firm as well, if you've got that If everyone's sort of emotionally understanding of each other, it just makes it a much more pleasant place to work.